Our scripture today is um, Psalm 25. To you, O God, I lift up my soul. O my God, I put my trust, and you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. These will be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me known, make me to your to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, according to your steadfast love. Remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His, his soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O oh God, out of all his troubles. Let's pray. Um, God, we thank you so much um, for the truth um, that is in your word, God. Um, and we just thank you that you've allowed us to gather here this morning um, to hear your word and to learn from it, God. Um, God, I pray that you would just be present in every single person in this room, um, God, no matter what season or circumstance they might find themselves in. Um, I just pray that everyone would be able to feel your presence this morning, um, and you would just open our hearts and ears to receive your word. Um, God, I pray that you'll be with Josh as you preach us this morning, um, and Jesus, we just love you and pray all these things in your name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm just as curious to see how this turns out as you do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, happy Father's Day. So, um, I thought the best way to start for Father's Day was to share one of my favorite dad jokes. Um, so, <laughs> thank you, Derek. Um, at one point, a daughter asked her father, Dad, I'm cold. And he said, stand in the corner. It's 90 degrees. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so beautiful, beautiful dad joke. If you don't get it, you can ask me afterwards. Um, but on a serious note, thank you to all the fathers in the room. Um, all of us have had someone pour into us in that way, and it's just been such a blessing. I know I'm thankful to my father for all he did for me. Um, but also to those who have been spiritual fathers to me um, at this church specifically, who are not just physical dads, but also spiritual fathers. So thank you, Pastor Kevin, for all that you've done for me, uh, just in guiding and helping me, and Derek as well, uh, through all my craziness and weirdness. 
Um, and then just as an example, Mario has been such an awesome example with four kids and a lot going on. Just a really stellar example through good and bad. So uh, definitely I would encourage you uh, for those who uh, are blessed to have a father who has cared for you and poured into you, please, please, please tell them today. Uh, and if not, like, uh, look for those who really have poured into you and try to take that place in absence or even in addition to who you already have. So um, they definitely have made me a better person, and I hope for you as well. Um, but, yeah, I will say I greatly respect those who preach here a lot more after all the time and effort I had to put into making this. Um, so if you ever see Daniel or Kevin or anyone else that you recognize preaching like Theo or or Derek, uh, say thank you, because it takes a lot of time <laughs> to uh, go exegetically through something, uh, which is just like reading the passage and then talking about it as opposed to topical is so much easier. So it takes more effort this way. Um, and then, yeah, so I'm excited this morning. I considered trimming down to just a mustache, but I figured Pastor Kevin would not let me preach at that point. Um, so I decided to keep all of this. And yes, so... I'm definitely very excited, uh, kind of like Jar Jar Binks, uh, who gets excited at literally everything. Um, just it's, He just gets excited, like getting saved, anything shiny. It's, that's my feeling right now in terms of excitement. And then mixed with a, a sense of humility, like uh, Frodo getting to take the ring to Mordor. Uh, you know, like, it's not just anyone that gets to do it. No, it's Frodo. And, and, and I think he comes with not a sense of pride, but humility. And, and that's the kind of humility I feel right now you're starting to get a feeling of the type of person I am through this. So um, if you don't get those references, I am so sorry for you. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm praying that this goes well. Uh, and we believe in a sovereign God. So however this ends up, he has a plan. So um, yeah. So as you can tell, I like to make jokes and have fun. But the Psalms aren't always necessarily about jokes and fun, so probably from here on out, there's not going to be as much humor as I just started with, because so, I, I want to treat them uh, as they're meant to be treated in the Psalms. Like we, we got to hear a song from Psalm 130 this morning. It's the second song we sang. They can get a little uh, edgy uh, and aggressive, but all to the point of pushing us more towards God. So I hope that Together we get to see that, and we get to see how we are pushed towards God and our need of him through some of the struggles and strains. So um, I want to do a little recap and bring us to uh, some of the stuff we've uh, seen in the past. Uh, over summer, we're doing Proverbs and Psalms and flip-flopping back and forth. Uh, we've titled it Wisdom and Worship, uh, just to look towards wisdom and what it means not just to know things, but to apply them, and seeing that through Solomon and a lot of the wise words he has in Proverbs. Uh, and then hitting on psalms just to bring us, in light of that wisdom, to praise and worship God. Uh, so I'm not going to recap everything because we've done a few sermons now, uh, and that would take forever. So I'm going to hit on a couple of the psalms that we've done so far. Um, uh, like four weeks ago, we hit on Psalm 22, which uh, Daniel Espy taught on. And it was just looking at suffering and anguish and uh, in emotional despair. Not something you often hear at a church. Well, not, not this day anyway. Uh, so it's, it's refreshing to see that in our struggles and strains in life, we, we get to hit on that and recognize that, you know, life isn't always easy. And in that, uh, Daniel taught us that sometimes you can, and like it's healthy to complain and lament before the Lord. 
Be honest with him. Be serious with him. Don't, don't hold back. He's God. He can handle it. Trust me. Um, and that in the times uh, that we go into hard places, we must depend on God, and he's the only one who can truly help us through those things. Um, he taught us to be persistent before God, uh, to not give up and just to keep talking to him. Don't give up on him. And then looking to him when storms hit, expanding our horizon beyond what you're experiencing, and looking to heaven and what he's promised in that, that you are adopted, that you are a son of God, and that he loves you and cares for you. Um, and knowing that there is purpose in bad things for our good uh, to be more conformed and like Jesus, which is the ultimate good that, that we believe as uh, Christians. So, um, in Psalm 24, uh, Kevin then hit on seeking and experiencing the glory of God, uh, leading us to ponder the goodness of who he is and worship in light of that. Um, giving us a glimpse in creation, which he hit on an idea, an idea of common grace, and I love this idea, is that there is a common grace to everyone, believer or unbeliever, that we all get to appreciate and love creation. My favorite example of this is definitely uh, Matt Chandler did it with uh, something called Beautiful Design for a sermon series, and he gave an example of a steak. Now, I respect vegans and vegeta vegetarians out there, but I love a good, delicious steak, uh, and many of you probably already know that because I cook uh, often enough, but with that, like, you can not just take a steak and eat it and just enjoy the flavors, the, the different tones and, and, uh, of texture and, and just little flavorettes of, of the fat and then the juices and, and just like, it's just such a succulent combination of joy and happiness. And like in that, you know, in common grace, all of us can experience that. And as believers, we get to take it one step farther and say, what a beautiful God we have that would give us something so wonderful and so delicious as steak. Um, so remembering that this simple creation, which steak is just one example, there's a lot more out there. Uh, just look up in the sky at night and you'll see it, assuming there's not light pollution. Um, yay. Uh, Payne's Prairie is a great place, by the way. So in light of that, knowing that um, we have that common grace to point us towards the creator and then revealing himself to us in his holiness. So Kevin was hitting on seeing the glory of God through common grace and then through God's holiness, which ultimately none of us are worthy before the Lord. We all fall short. Um, and it, it kind of, it stinks. It's, it's, a, it's a sad message there. But that brings us to that we are left wanting and we have a need for something greater, something more. And that's the beauty of turning us towards God and lifting our heads to our King and ultimately his sacrifice on the cross through Jesus, and the hope that comes with that. And so remembering that in Psalm 22, we have this anguish and angst that we just need to be honest and open before God, and then in Psalm 24, where we look to the God and who he is, and the joy and glory that is in him, and the hope that he brings us. Um, so one of the realities is, in the Psalms, there's a lot of repetition. I'm not going to promise that I'm going to wow you with some new idea, like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't ever thought of that before. You're going to be like, I have heard that a million times. And the reality is, you probably need to hear it one more time, and one more time, and one more time. And there's repetition to remind us of the important truths in our lives. So as you hear similar things that you've heard before, I hope it brings you to remember that truth and ultimately turn to God in that, so... There's the first page. <laughs> We've got a few more. <laughs> so 
in light of that, um, as we go into Psalm 25 and we see this transition, uh, uh, would you pray with me? Because Lord knows I need it. <laughs> and we all do, honestly. So, uh, Father, I just thank you for this morning as we get to read through the Psalms, that we get to see the heart of David and how he turns to you, that despite his circumstances, he, he sees a greater purpose in the Lord and in what uh, you are doing. Uh, so we ask that you would be with us today and point us to you, point us to the hope in you, and reinvigorate us to trust in you and lean on you in those hard times. God, would you give me the words to say? Would you speak through me, Holy Spirit, uh, as, I, I, as I do my best to go through this? So you are greater and more powerful than anything I could potentially mess up. Uh, but we just trust in you, and then we give it to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So now we get into Psalm 25. Oh, yeah. So uh, thank you, Kiara, for reading through all 22 verses. It was a mouthful, but I appreciate it. Um, and I would like to start with just looking at the structure of the psalm. So the beautiful thing is uh, sometimes the best things have a little structure to them. Uh, I, I would hope you appreciate that. If your professors, for you students, had no structure in their classes, you would probably go mad. Um, and when it comes to studying, definitely things like that can help. So um, this psalm is framed as an acrostic. Does anyone know what an acrostic is? Okay, I had one person raise their hand. So I will tell you because, you know, might as well. It is when the first word or letters spell out a word or phrase. So this could be uh, like the alphabet, which is we'll, we'll see in this psalm, but for Hebrew, not English, so we'll, we'll work with it, um, where every letter of the alphabet would like have a line to it, and uh, just an easy way to remember. Um, or some of the ones that you may have uh, heard is uh, Ed 8, Dynamite, Goodbye, Eddie, uh, for a guitar, if you're trying to remember. So Josh should know this, I hope. Uh, no? Okay, he doesn't. It's fine. I, trust me, if you look it up, you'll find it. Um, or did anyone take choir or music and they had to remember, um, uh, oh gosh, every good boy deserves fudge. Uh, to re yeah, yeah, there we go. Now we got some people. That's what I'm talking about. So just to remember like all the uh, lines for a stanza, is that what it's called? I don't know, Jackie? Yeah, yeah, uh, a treble clef stanza thing. Yes, I promise I, I know these. Um, <laughs> I know uh, at BCM, we uh, remember a phrase called fat. We look for fat people to disciple them, which is faithful, available, teachable. Not actually fat, just faithful, available, teachable. Th good things to look for in things. Um, even in prayer, which we'll see this tied throughout the psalm of uh, acts, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. An easier way to remember a, a good form of prayer to not just be praying for things, but remembering to look at the Father in adoration, to confess before him uh, in humility, to thank him for all he's done, and then uh, have supplication for all the things he has yet to do. Uh, just as a good example. And then probably, I'm guessing this is the most well-known one, but for math, with uh, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Uh, for PEMDAS, so that you don't add wrong, because Lord knows we make all those little mistakes in math and then fail our exams. So um, PEMDAS is one of my favorites, because I was a math minor. I'm sure Jackie appreciates it, too. Uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, but in this, we see in this psalm that it goes alphabetically through the Hebrew alphabet. Now, one of the reasons people have acrostics is to have that uh, rememberability, so it gives it importance for the people... Uh, of Israel to remember the psalm. So we see that there's clearly a reason for them to remember and memorize it. So that's why we want to look at this and take uh, 
a closer look and even remember it ourselves for the sake of uh, probably through some of the struggles and strains. And like in real life, they're like, hey, this is important to look at, so let's look at it uh, and then remember it as we can. So please, please, please know that uh, this is valuable to them and therefore I want it to be valuable to us this morning. So as we look at it, um, we see that David is revealing his heart to us. This is a very personal psalm. And there's several ways that we're going to see the struggles and strains that he goes through as a human being, which you're about to find out some stories about David that show he went through a lot of pain and agony. And I just want you to see these different uh, almost categories of, of different anguishes he went through. And with that, we're going to see how we similarly relate to those things. David himself uh, at this time, uh, scholars would guess that it was around the time of uh, when he was a little bit older and around his son, Absalom. So this is in 2 Samuel 13 through 18. I am not going to read all five chapters because that is a lot. But in this time, David basically has to run away from his kingdom. So he's the king, and his son, yeah, great son, good son, uh, drives him out and tries to kill him. Yippee skippy, this is a fun time. Uh, so we see that David, uh, ha- he's manipulated and, and undermined in his kingdom and what he's doing. He is betrayed by those he loves. He sees close friends get killed around him, and he has to flee and run away and, and protect his very life from those who would attack him. So we see the, the, the heart behind the strain and agony of him, because like, imagine, I mean, a lot of you are not fathers in here, but imagine as a father that your son betrays you and tries to kill you. Like, not many of us, I would say none of us can actually uh, relate to that per se, but we can see the deep anguish that would be in his heart, and and we can relate to the deep anguish that we see, uh, or we see the things that bring us deep anguish and can relate to the the emotion and the feeling that David has in these struggles. So, um, in this... So as we look at Psalm, we see in Psalm uh, 25, verse 2, O oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. And just seeing this fear before those who might overtake him and overpower him. And then we see in verse 19, it says, Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. And just recognizing that this, this fear he's bringing before the Lord of those who might hurt him and and challenge him through all these struggles. And, and the reality is, like, I don't, think, I don't think we have people who hate us to the level that they hated David, but we, we have similar situations of people who might not care for us or even hate us, uh, whether it be uh, extreme disagreement or hatred with your beliefs, whether we're talking about Christian beliefs or political beliefs, welcome to America, um, or maybe even rejection of your beliefs, not just disagreement, but flat-out rejection, where they're like, just get away from me. I do not want to be around you. Um, or maybe you've experienced rejection for who you are. Um, I mean, for me as an extrovert, not everyone wants to be my friend. What? Why would everyone want to be my friend? Now, keep in mind, that is a lighter version, and I think there are much more extreme versions of literally people who don't want to be around you. Uh, and in this just like, Fear that sometimes people just ignore you and push you away, and it's, it's hard in that. Um, fear of how your kids might turn out. Like, you are raising up your kids, you want them to be the best they can be, but 
I mean, they're independent. They, they, they make stupid choices sometimes, and, and you fear for them. You want the best for them, but will they do what God and what you want them to do? Uh, fear if you can pass your class. Lord knows a lot of you students have experienced that. <laughs> I know I have. I have only done one W in uh, college and withdrew and drawn, but um, I did not fail the class. I just withdrew, so it doesn't count. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that. Uh, or we may have a fear of finances and just the struggle of what it means to be provided for and, and living check by check, living uh, with lots of debt, go college loans, and, and we may even be challenged with fear of the unknown in the future. Like, again, a lot of you students, you're trying to figure out what you're doing with your life. I've been trying to figure it out for a couple years now, so we're, we're working there. We're, we're getting some clarity now, but it, it was a long journey. My goodness, I do not know what I want to do with my life. You can ask Kevin about all the angst that I gave him through that. Yeah. Um, but knowing that there are a lot of things we're still trying to figure out, and even non-students, as you're trying to figure out maybe who you want to marry someday, or uh, as you're raising kids, like, when your kids are all out of the house, what's next, you know, and, and there's a lot of fear, and like, what is going to happen next? Um, then David hits on another thing in verse 16. He hits on loneliness, that, uh, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. This one is, this one is hard, because I think all of us can relate to loneliness at some point in our lives. I think some people feel the pain more than others, but th- there are times when, when we hit, are hit with loneliness. Sometimes you feel surrounded by friends, but when you truly need help, it feels like no one is there. It hurts. You face rejection from those you care about. When, when you try to open yourself up and they, they push away because like, whoa, ho, ho, that is too much to handle. Um, you feel helpless and af- too afraid to even open up and let others in. You feel that you have so much in your life that you want to reach out, but you're just, you don't have the confidence or boldness to actually share that with people. And, and so you, you continue to anguish and, and, and hope that one day something will happen. Or you're single and unmarried, and you feel like you're never going to get married, and it's a hard quest. Uh, you know, as you see people succeed around you in, in relationships, and you yourself uh, continue to remain single. I promise, patience. Um, So we we see David's fear, we see his loneliness, we also see his guilt. In verse uh, 7 and 8, we see, he says, Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way, knowing that he's a sinner. Then we see in verse 11, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. And then lastly in verse 18, Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. David has an immense amount of guilt. If you know anything about his life, you know why. He, he struggled so much with, uh, like, he's a man after God's own heart, but th- there were times when he would literally, like, he killed people for the sake of a relationship he was pursuing, which he was trying to cover up when he, you know, had sex with her outside of marriage, and, you know, she was already married, he was already married, and so really awkward situation, and, and ultimately having to be called out after covering up his sin, and the consequences were great. And seeing his family relationships is pretty rough sometimes, and just a lot of the things they got away with. So there's a lot of guilt uh, built up over time for him. For us... Maybe guilt and uh, 
slacking in timely preparation of a sermon, um, feeling like a burden to people. As your friends, and you might have an overbearing personality, um, <laughs> you, you might feel guilt of like, ah, maybe I'm burdening this person, and it's like, oh, maybe you have guilt in your sins in falling to lust, pornography, laziness, pride, jealousy, maybe guilt for people you weren't there for that you should have been. Like, ah, I failed him. Why wasn't I there? And putting that burden on yourself. Maybe guilt for failing to be patient with your kids, making them cry with your frustrations and angers. It happens. It's okay. The Lord is good. Um, guilt for failing exams and maybe not living up to the scholastic expectations that your parents have put on you or, or that you have put on yourself and the struggles in that. So fear, loneliness, guilt, and lastly, we have confusion. Uh, David says, make me to know your ways, O Lord, in verse 4. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. There is so much happening in David's life right now where he's just like, what is going on? Literally, like, I've run away. My son is trying to kill me. Like, and he's like, Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your paths because I don't know what they are. This makes no sense to me. And we see this anguish and this desire through the psalm that, that leads into these verses where he's asking for understanding when he doesn't have understanding. So I ask you, when are you confused? When, when do you not see this? This is one of the hardest ones for me and the most personal. As I look at the things that, that just like drive me to madness of like, why? I don't understand I don't know God's ways. I don't understand and I, I'm seeking to. Why is this person I'm praying for not getting better? As they're sick, as, as they're struggling, and I see no progress, why? Why do I feel so distant from you at times, Lord? I try to read your Bible, I try to pray, and I feel so empty with you. Uh, one of my favorite songs in light of that is Ren Collective has a song called Desert Soul, and it says, I love you, God, but I want to love you more. I need you, but I want to need you more. And that was the cry of my heart. That still is in times that I feel empty and just like dry. Why are you not providing more for me? Why do I feel like I'm living by the skin of my teeth financially or, or just personally and emotionally in the needs that I want and have? Why did my best friend get put in jail? There are things that happen that we don't understand. And sometimes we won't. And it's through those struggles and strains that we now get to see David respond properly in light of those. I'm sure all of you, to some degree, have felt many of those things that I've listed and when we see this angst in David's heart that these things lead to fear, confusion, guilt, uh, and loneliness. And I'm sure with enough thought we could even make our own list just as long and continue to add to that. So, now that we've gone through a lot of hard stuff, and you're probably feeling maybe a little depressed, I don't know. Uh, I know it's, it's, it's hard, and the Bible is not always easy. But now we get the joy of seeing how does David respond to this? A man after God's own heart, through all the struggles and strengths, how does he choose to respond to such anguish and suffering in hard times? And then conversely, I ask, 
how do we choose to respond? Will we choose to be like David or we choose to wallow in anguish? So we see in verse 1, as he starts the psalm, he says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. What a powerful start to this. In the pain of everything he goes through, even before he lists all the struggles, he goes to God and says, You, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. It's not very complicated this morning. It's very simple in saying that the call and the heart of David here is to take his anguish and to put trust in God. It's as simple as that. Now, I could end there, but I don't think you guys want that. You want me to explain, well, what the heck does that mean? Like, what does it mean to trust God through all this? And so let's, let's get there. Um, so if there was one point I would give you guys to... Wait, no, I'm going to read a verse first. Um, so we see this idea that David is putting his trust in God, that trust is this foundation for David's heart before the Lord in this anguish. And when we look at this word trust, um, mercy on me, I am not a Hebrew major or anything. I don't know it very well. But it's the word batach. That's the best I got. Um, And and when we look at this word, it, it has the meaning of confidence, of trust, of security, of boldness in feeling safe before the Lord. And the question is, do we have that same trust? And that's the, the challenge. So when I think of trust, um, Josh is going to remember this because he was there. But uh, we had this camp uh, for Japanese students, and we got to really get to know them. And at one point, we went and did outdoor activities because, you know, what else are you going to do at a camp? Uh, so one of them was a trust fall where we had a platform about 10 feet up, and you had to fall backwards into the hands of six people. You know, it was fun to watch people do it, and I would catch them, you know, I'm strong enough to help in that regard. But when it was my turn to go up, I'm a little more hefty, you know, and in that, um, trusting six people to catch me is a little more intimidating, especially when the 10 feet feels like 20 feet. Um, Josh was one of those people to catch me, so you might experience my trepidation a little bit in that. Um, No, he's strong, I promise. Um, And letting go... Uh, or just like falling backwards and falling into their arms was one of the scariest experiences of my life. But when I landed, I actually felt really safe and really excited. It was exhilarating. Um, So one of the things I noticed with trust is trust offers the opportunity for great reward or great failure. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing is that when we trust in God, we are, we are giving our hardest feelings to him. When we trust someone else, we, we are putting faith in them that they will not betray us, that they will not uh, break us down, but that they will love us and that they'll support us. And in that, they could totally betray us and push us down, and, and we could have a lot of anguish in that. But at the same time, if they hold true to that and they truly are trustworthy, then there's so much great joy and freedom in that. Um, because if they didn't catch me, it would hurt. <laughs> but thankfully they did. So, so the reward paid off. And that's the challenge we have today is are you willing to trust the Lord and put yourself out there and know that, as the Bible says, the most reliable person in this universe is, is trustworthy.
And that's my call for us today. So I have one, or, and we see this in, sorry, I'm trying not to jump ahead of myself. David is the one speaking in the psalm, and we see a beautiful verse in Proverbs, which was written by Solomon. And who is Solomon? David's son. So some of his sons did not turn out so great, like Absalom, who's trying to kill him, but some of them actually turned out pretty well and very godly and focused. And Solomon, who is writing the Proverbs as just wise words, um, gets to see his father's life and then writes such a beautiful uh, a phrase that a lot of people have memorized or know, which is Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6. So I'm going to turn there real quick, and it's going to come up here. I put little tabs. makes it a lot easier. Um, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. What a powerful message from the son of David to say, I saw everything my father went through. I heard his stories to me and I saw God's faithfulness to my father. And therefore I write this with such boldness and power to know the truth of these statements. So let us take the same heart to that. And to put that all in summary, in one sentence, so if you guys are gonna write anything down or remember one phrase, we're gonna put it up here. Through the challenges and suffering, we counterbalance them with a healthy trust in God by looking to who he is and what he's done. As we look at all these challenges and struggles, it's not that we're like, oh, we're going to ignore them and pretend they're not there because they're still there. There's no denying that they are still there. But in light of them being there, we look to God and we, we recognize how much greater he is than those struggles. As we look to who he is, his character, his person and what he's done for us, we, we see that these problems, though there, are not so bothersome. That though there, they're not so big compared to our mighty and powerful God who loves us and cares for us. And we're going to see that language as David talks here. Um, yes. I have a lot of pages here, so we're, we're working through them. We're making progress, everyone. I didn't want to do that. I want to stay here for a second. Nope, not that one. That one. So, in light of this, as we're looking at this character and this focus on trusting in the Lord, I want to bring us back to Psalm 1, which uh, Theo was so kind to preach for us at the very first one. And Psalm 1 is a call to seek and fear the Lord. We see this in, in Psalm 1. See how I marked all my pages? This is convenient. Psalm 1, 2, and 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Psalm 1 calls us to be, uh, to, sorry, to delight in the law of the Lord and to walk an upright life as the Lord would call us. And then we see in Psalm 25 that this is going beyond that and not saying, hey, let's live a godly life. But if you are living a godly life, this is our response and this is how we respond and how we live in light of our general life and the struggles we go through. So this is, this is expanding upon how David opens the Psalms and calling us to live in it. Because the reality is the call of a Christian life is not meant to be easy. Jesus never said, you guys can pray and you will get a Ferrari. Yes, 
No, that's not, he never said that. Not that Ferraris were invented at the time, but we, we constantly see he calls us to a challenging life where there is going to be anguish and pain. We see this in, this is when I flip over. Uh, we see this in John 16, 33, where he says, where Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He doesn't say you might have tribulation. He doesn't say it may happen. He says you will have tribulation. You will have hard times. And then he expands this in Luke 9.23, when he, or, yeah, 9.23, when he says, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Then in Matthew uh, 10.22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. If people preach to you a mamby-pamby, cheesy, squeezy, happy Christian life, they are lying to you. Jesus says quite the contrary. He says that it is hard, it is not easy, and there will be suffering and pain and anguish. Welcome to church. <laughs> but the beautiful thing is, as he said in, the, in uh, John 16, he says, but I have overcome the world. So we see that even though we have these struggles and strains, he is there to provide for us in those moments. But don't lie to yourself and think that life will always be easy. If it is easy for you right now, bless you. I'm so happy for you. And I just pray that as we look into this, that you remember to be rooted and grounded in this. So. What we see happen then is this progression of David's heart through the psalm as he is thinking through the process of going through these struggles and strains. So he starts by immediately going to the Lord in verse 1. And then in verse 2, he says, we're going to flip over back to it. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. In the struggles, he immediately goes to trust. He immediately looks to God and says, in these hard times, let me not be put to shame. Would you uplift me and bring me to a place of, of trusting in you? And now we're going to see this as a pattern through the rest of the Psalms. This pattern of trusting the Lord and looking to him in this thing. It's deeply personal, but with general illusions that, that can relate to all of us. Uh, in, in the emotion and what he's feeling, we can relate to this. Maybe not his specific circumstances, but what our circumstances push to the same emotional frustrations and anxieties and stresses of this uh, fear, loneliness, confusion, and guilt. And we see him lean deeply into who God is. So let us follow David's path then. The first thing he does after looking to the Lord is he seeks his guidance. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths, in verse 4 and 5. So he seeks the Lord. He, he seeks the Lord and looks to him first. So he doesn't say like, oh, you know, let's talk to my friends. Hey, let's talk to my wife. Let's talk to these people. You know, let's ask Google because Google knows everything. No, he seeks the Lord first. It's the very first line and it, it, it strains into the rest of these verses. He even, as a sinner in failure, in verse 8 
he, he says that we have an opportunity to seek him. He says, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. No one is exempt from being able to seek God. If you're a believer or not a believer, you can still talk to him. He's not going to just shut the doors. Like, he is open and willing to receive you and, and hear you. I, I would pray that, that you, you, you learn to know him, but he listens through it all. And you don't have to be perfect before him. Like, you can seek him in all times. You don't have to read the Bible every day in order to seek him. You don't have to go to church every day. You don't have to be in your gospel-centered community every time. If you're a failure, he still is willing to listen and hear you because he is a loving father who cares for you. And we see David in this journey letting go of his self-independence and his need. And this exemplifies itself in verse 9 when he seeks humbly. He says, He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. So first he goes to the Lord, and once he's with the Lord, he humbles himself before him. So, so that's the next step in trusting God is we seek him, and then we humble ourselves. Because in pride we say, I can do it, but in humility we say, all right, I need you. <laughs> I've tried, I've tried to do it on my own, but whew, it is not possible. And, and humbling yourself before the Lord, and letting him teach us and guide us in that. And the last step is to recognize God's faithfulness to those who keep his covenant. We see this in verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. So it's a call to recognize God's faithfulness and and to keep that covenant and testimonies. And you're probably like, what does it mean to keep his covenant and testimonies? I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about that. So in verse 11 and 12, He's, he, he expands on this and says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that, we, that uh, he should choose. So number one, he says, pardon my sin. So admitting your guilt, which lines up with the humility of the second point. We see that his only hope is in the Lord, when it says, for thy name's sake, that in verse 3, when it says, none who wait will be put to shame. And then lastly, it says, fear God. Who is man that he fears the Lord? Uh, who is the man who fears the Lord? So in looking to him and keeping his covenant and testimony, we see that strain of admitting your guilt, seeing that your only hope is in the Lord, and then fearing him. So the fear of the Lord is often a, a very interesting concept, and a lot of people are like, well, what the heck does that mean? Like, am I supposed to be afraid? Or, you know, like, beat me down? I don't know. Um, but I, I love John Piper's take on this uh, when he talks about the fear of the Lord in this passage. Um, we definitely have had talked about this before, but I, I love this new, fresh perspective. Uh, so in this context, he says, fearing to insult his knowledge by presuming to hide our sin. It means the reverence of humility. It means fearing to dishonor God's name by not trusting that he is a reliable guide to joy. I think a good example of this, this is by no means perfect, but uh, as a videographer, if someone hires me to do video work and then I arrive and they're like, I'll take the camera, I'm gonna go do the video stuff, you just stay right there, we're good. You know, like, that dishonors me. 
Like, that is shameful to me. And I'm like, you hired me. You paid me money. You gave me something so that I could do what I'm good at. And then you're going to try to do it yourself. That shows no respect for me or, or any sort of uh, healthy understanding that I can do it better than you. Um, <laughs> and in the same way, this fear of the Lord is this idea that we know he does it greater than we could ever do it. He can bring us joy and happiness and love greater than we ever could do for ourselves. And in that, when we fear him, we respect him enough to say, I don't want to dishonor you by doing it on my own. I instead turn to you and hope in you through that. So in the midst of disappointment and struggles, we trust in his promises and who he is. David goes to these all throughout this psalm. In verse 6, he sees that God is merciful. In verse 8, he's upright. In verse 6, 7, and 10, he talks of God's steadfast love. In verse 7 and 8, he says that he is good. In verse 10, he says that he is faithful. In verse 14, he calls him a friend. In verse 16, he says he is gracious. In verse 18, God is a forgiver. In verse 20, he is a deliverer and he is a refuge. In verse 22, he is a redeemer. Through all the pain and anguish that David is experiencing and saying in these verses, he constantly looks back to God. He remembers who God is. He looks at his character, his faithfulness to David, and and rests in that through the hard times. And that is my call to us. If you're struggling right now and you are going through hard time and suffering, cling to his promises and remember what he's done and who he is. He loves you and he cares about you whether you feel it or not. The truth is the truth and it will stand above in the grand scheme of life. We are here with you and we want to walk alongside you and we ultimately want to point you towards God who can do it better than any of us can. We will fail you, we will uh, fall down, but the Lord stands strong and he is faithful. Lean on him. If life is going pretty well for you and pretty easy and you haven't really experienced hard times and, and just, you know, it's chill, would you prepare now for when the times will be hard? Would you meditate on the truth of who God is and the character of who he is so that you can be ready when the tough times come? And also, when others are struggling around you, would you be ready to support them and love them? I'm not saying you have to have answers. In fact, sometimes trying to give answers is one of the worst things you can do. Sometimes you just need to be there and listen. You don't always have to talk. You don't always have to know. Just listen. Just be there. And remind them of the truth of who God is and that though times are hard and may not get better anytime soon, he is still faithful. And then for those of you who do not know the Lord, there is no one greater that I have experienced, nothing more powerful and influential in my life personally through all the struggles and strains. I've seen a lot of people go through a lot of stuff too, not as many as others, uh, but in the things that I have seen, I have seen God be faithful. And I would urge you to look to him. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. That he didn't want to be separated from you, but he wanted to offer you a way to know him. And he gave you his son as a sacrifice on the cross, dying for you. 
that you could be loved and connected with him and receive this love and care and affection that he has given us as believers. And I urge you to respond to that today, that, that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again in new life to give us that new life and hope. If that's something that is important to you, I, I encourage you to uh, seek God in that and ask him and just surrender to him and let him be your guide find me or someone else that you trust and uh, here that has brought you and, and talk to them of what that means. Because it is the best decision you could ever make in your life. I firmly stand by that and will to my dying day. So now I ask that as we think through this and, and as we get ready for a time of worship and communion, um, that we would just look to God and reflect on who he is. Would you remember his faithfulness and uh, just his worthiness to be trusted. Um, I encourage you, if you are believers, to, as you are taking communion, reflect on that and reflect that even through your failures and your, your fallings and, and your shortcomings, that, that he is faithful to love you and, and uh, care for you. And would you lean on him in that time, remembering the sacrifice of his son, coming to him in confession of those failures. And then... Uh, if you're not a believer, I, I encourage you to reflect on, on this, but I would urge you not to take communion just because it, it has certain implications in the Bible and just abstaining from that for today. Um, but let's pray and uh, just lean on God and lean on his trustworthy promises. I encourage you this week to reflect on this psalm and look at the language of David to look and trust in God through the hard times. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time that you have given us just to look and trust in you, that you would be faithful and, and someone trustworthy to look in. God, would you give us a heart to trust when we don't feel like we can? Would you give us a remembrance of what you've done in our lives and the lives of others, God? Would you teach us and grow us in knowing who you are, that we might rest in those truths of your love and your character. And God, I pray that we would just trust in you, that we would trust in your love and the identity you have given us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.